Welcome to Tech Talk, featuring the latest trends and topics in data and analytics for Fortune 1000 companies. Tech Talk is sponsored by Knowledgent, the data and analytics company. For more information, visit Knowledgent.com. Episode 1 of Tech Talk features Mike Vogel and Pratik Perez da Silva, both senior data and analytics professionals, discussing agile delivery methodologies. They dive into why it's becoming more popular, the benefits of an agile methodology, and what defines success. Mike, you recently completed a project at a large pharmaceutical client of ours. In this particular podcast, I want to focus more on the delivery methodology. Um, And I know that you guys did Agile, and really you're an Agile evangelist yourself. Um, So before we get into the delivery of the project, though, can you kind of give us an overview of the problem you guys were trying to solve? So it was a... uh a classic pharmaceutical problem in the clinical data space. So, uh, and, and, a, and a data lake problem where we had to move data in and push it out to analytic tools. And the, okay. I think the way we're going to cover today, although that's the context, uh, most of what we'll say about Agile probably pretty well applies in all, in, in, in a technology independent way. Sure. Makes perfect sense. Let's get right into it then. Uh, why was Agile chosen for this project? And um, if you can dovetail that into at a broader level, why is Agile becoming more popular than the methodology been used for decades now, the waterfall approach? Well, I, I, I think uh, waterfall lost and you know, people are pretty comfortable with that. Now it's a question about getting good at doing Agile. So sure. um, we, uh, we picked it. Yeah, and that's me being an Agile evangelist, right? So it wasn't in the SOW, but we we sort of got them to buy into it. And it was, after sure. customers, it was their first large-scale Agile project. And oh, great. We can, wow, we okay. can touch on what they – they had a plan to roll out uh, SAFE, which is this, you know, sort of large-scale uh, Agile at the enterprise-level methodology. So they had a plan to roll out SAFE. They hadn't mm-hmm. done it yet. So they said, okay, guys, you go ahead and do Agile, start out doing Agile on this project, and as we bring SAFE in, we'll align the two. And that's that's ultimately what happened. So now all the teams and the entire uh, program are operating under uh, uh, the SAFE methodology. And then within our team, we're, we're practicing our uh, flavor of Agile, and the other teams are practicing, let's call them different flavors, and to different degrees of maturity, and uh, it's worked out. I think it's worked out well for us and for the customer. Fantastic. So, I mean, the driver here of, of going doing this agile seems to be that um, you are very comfortable with it. You know it well, and you're able to deliver well um, using agile. It wasn't anything regarding the project itself that lent it more towards agile than waterfall. Is that correct? No, I just think it's a great, it's just the right methodology to use when the problem has any elements of unknown, right? You know, sure. it's a, you've done the same project three times in a row, then you don't need to do this. But when I look back at this project, the, and what seems to happen all the time is the requirements turn so substantial, you know, on the order of 50% of change in the requirements from, you know, the, the first release, let alone the, the fourth release, which is what we're at right now. So... Uh, that kind of churn, the best way to adapt to it is uh, incrementally 
you know, building through this kind of process. And the best way to assure that you build the right thing, which is, you know, what we did in the face of all the churn, is, is this kind of methodology. And, and, and the, the core is well known. Everybody has either read about or actually participated on a Scrum-based Agile project, right? So the, the foundational stuff is out there, you know, probably hundreds of books now written about it. Um, it's, I think, the, 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 the fun stuff to talk about today would be, you know, what did we do beyond the standard stuff that everybody's doing that made things work well? Yep, absolutely. Right before we get there, I do have one question for you, and that's kind of, you know, how we measure that Agile is successful. How do we really think about the success of an Agile implementation and, you know, what are some key aspects to successfully delivering an Agile project? Well, I'm, for better or worse, we get measured by, against what's in the SOW. So that's sort of minimum uh, success measurement. And then at the other end of the spectrum, for me, it's customer delight, right? Is the customer delighted with what they got given the sort of iron triangle that we all operate on, you know, time and resources and features, you know, how do we... Uh, how do we balance that? So within those constraints, did we get as close to delighting them as, as possible? So you know, somewhere between those two, what we're contractually uh, uh, mandated to get and what it took to actually get them the right thing that really made them happy is, is, is how you judge success. And, and then it's all in a customer and political context because um, you could do wonderful stuff and they could still be unhappy, and I, you know, I don't know silver bullets for that. <laughs> that makes sense. I guess, you know, what I was thinking, and I, you guys also track the defects, right, or the quality, and try to reduce the, the number of defects in the system that you're building. Um, and I think that that's one of the main reasons, and I'm completely putting words in your mouth right now, that you like Agile. It gives you more control over um, the requirements and the ability to reduce defects. Am I thinking about that right? That's a major. That's a major element of it, and, it, and I think it gets back to the uh, if you're building incrementally, um, you, you've got to have a way to maintain quality. Because if you're constantly changing, if every sprint you're adding new features and changing things, you can destroy your quality because of that. So how do you survive agile is one of the big challenges. So what do you have to add to Standard Scrum, okay, so you, we're doing uh, two-week iterations, you know, daily scrums, uh, uh, a planning meeting in the beginning, and a, a, a demo and a retrospective at the end. You know, that's the stuff out of the books. If you're doing that, yeah, what do you have to do beyond that to survive that process of giving, you know, the customer the ability to change things and, and having the requirements trickle in like that? Um, and and I, I think those are some of the interesting things we did where we put in place uh, a process around the way the team worked and that was some combination of uh, the way the, the way we collected requirements the way we built stories the way the team operated and the tools and technologies we used to, to support that process I don't think there's a better transition into my next question than you know how you ended that answer so can you tell us about the process, the technologies, the tools that made you so successful? So, so we used sort of uh, everybody's common, maybe least favorite, but it's everywhere kind of tool, which was Jira. We used Jira, we used the Agile form of Jira to manage our board, 
and then we put stories into the JIRA board. Right? Again, standard, that's what everybody does. But then the, where we started to do something a little special was we, we, uh, we had the collaboration between the BAs and the developers. So let, let's look at, let's take an even further step up and say, what, what did the team like, look like? We had no testers. We had no QA people on this project. We had BAs who wrote stories uh, and wrote acceptance criteria, and we had developers who implemented it, and you know, we had a, a PM sort of managing it and acting as the scrum master, and really that was, the, that was the team. So the process we put in place of you write a story, you write acceptance criteria before anybody starts, you collaborate with the developers on that acceptance criteria, and then the, the developer builds that story until he's met the acceptance criteria. And we used a tool called Cucumber, which is a, you can think of it as a test automation tool, but really what it is is a collaboration framework. It's a way to write uh, acceptance criteria in a way that it can be automated uh, and run by the developer as they build the feature. So done, the definition of done for the developer is that uh, acceptance criteria written inside of the Cucumber language actually runs as an automated test. And the collaboration that we had in place between, and that a tool like this helps you get, between the, the BAs as a bridge to the customer and the, and the customers themselves seeing this and, uh, and the de developers building it, uh, kept us very uh, much on track for building the right thing and for keeping the quality very high, because now we're we're incrementally building up a very solid regression suite of, of all these features, and uh, we're also delivering very high quality because our measure of success was that all those tests run, and and it's not just one little acceptance criteria. Our BAs would write you know ten or twenty sometimes scenarios with specific data in them and really detailing out their specific expectations for how the feature should work. So there are no surprises when you work that way. Everybody up front has agreed on what it's going to be and is constantly collaborating on any discoveries we make that have to change it because we were constantly changing those acceptance criteria as we figured out what to implement. And then the sure. first thing we would do in the demo was run the acceptance criteria. And sometimes the acceptance criteria was got to be so big that it would just keep running. We'd just have another window up where the acceptance criteria is just running while we're interactively demoing all the features. And they get to see this long report with all these green words indicating that everything succeeded, right? So it was just a very powerful combination of collaboration, tooling, regression, testing infrastructure, and confidence for the customer so that when we got to testing at the end of every sprint, we virtually didn't find any bugs. And, and, and when I talked earlier about the multiple teams in this environment, some of them learning how to do Agile and some of them being pretty mature like we were in terms of our process, the quality differences really showed. You know, we sure. didn't have bugs virtually at all. All the other teams had tremendous quality problems, right? And then now over time, we've started to get those other teams to follow some of our practices and our processes, and we see their quality coming up in direct parallel to working this way. Wow, that's so important. Um, you you do the deployment to production at the end of every sprint, right? Um, not always to production. We deploy to production at the release boundary. We deploy okay. to a user acceptance testing environment at the end of every sprint. Okay. So that, and we let Got the it. BAs and the business do sort of some level of 
exploratory work on the on whatever was released in that sprint um, before we go to uh, before we go to UAT. And another really important thing we did that ties into the AWS environment that we were running in and the DevOps processing we were following is we ran a continuous integration pipeline where we built everything, uh, deployed a new insta, completely ground up new instance of it into the AWS environment, ran all of our acceptance tests every night. And then every we, night. Then we ran a series of scenarios where we, where we completely end-to-end push data through our entire data pipeline into the analytic tools and verified them. And then we had additional tests that we ran after that that verified these, we called them smoke tests, but they were much more than that, that these nightly tests also ran co- correctly. So with a, with, a, with a continuous integration and continuous deployment pipeline like that, uh, that was constantly being added to, yeah, I would... I claim, not would claim, that, that was our secret sauce. And that's the ingredient that made Agile work, that makes it survivable, that got us to the right product. Um, and, and that's what I think all of our teams ought to be working to in, in terms of trying to get the successful and sustainable Agile. Yeah, um, successful, sustainable. I almost think of it as Agile on steroids, what you're describing right now. Uh, that's, that's pretty fascinating. Wondering, Mike, if uh, email, was that the primary driver of communication for the team, or did you have other tools that you used instead? We used talking. We were uh, intensely (laughs) co-located, and that was another thing we pushed for at the beginning of the project. And, again, a a lot of Agile teams are distributed, and that does make things a lot harder. So we were co-located. We we ultimately, after uh, some number of weeks of struggling in traditional cubes, we got ourselves into a big room. And so the entire uh, data lake development team, uh, 15 or or more of us, were all sitting together in that room all day, every day, so that all this collaboration and build and and check was was going on in that one big room. So, yeah, we used email the way everybody used email, and we used email to coordinate with the customers and to some extent with the other teams. But, in fact, several of the other teams were also co-located. They were around the corner in their own space and in a dedicated space for that team. So as, a, as an example of the power of co-location, this helped a lot. And, and it, it is, it's much harder to not be co-located like that, but it's the reality and we all got to learn how to deal with getting being as effective as we were whilst, while not being co-located. Got it. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, so we talked about, you know, the fact that you built off of the standard Agile delivery. Um, collaboration seems to be an enormous part of your success. Um, you tried to sprint really quickly um, while driving defects down, and that involved nightly um, tests of the system that's being developed so that every time a developer is make change, making changes to the system, the very next day they understand whether the change worked or if there's more needed. Um, and the BA is working side-by-side with the developer, providing requirements that the developer can develop upon and making sure that it also meets the business need. Um, And all of this was done with everyone in the same location, uh, making sure that there was no uh, confusion around requirements or really around what needed to be done. In and of itself, yep, go ahead, Mike. Just saying, yes, you got it right, and the last tweak I would add is that the 
BAs became the testers. They sort of switched hats, right? You know, first they were build, you know, working to collaborate and support the build, and then they became the testers on the other side because nobody knows the feature set better than them, and nobody knows the acceptance criteria better than them. So that's that's uh, an interesting transition for BAs that I think we have to also start cultivating. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So that 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 goes well into my next question, which is really, you know, having no QA folks, that doesn't seem to have been any sort of risk or any way that that was detrimental to your project. Were there any negative outcomes from that? No, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I also listened to a bunch of podcasts on testing and agile testing and QA, and it's becoming uh, accepted in the QA community that, that they have to find a way to, to get into this cycle, that the notion of a standalone test group or a standalone QA group and a waterfall model where you throw it over to them, or even dedicated testers, um, this doesn't work as well in this kind of new model. Not that great testers doing exploratory testing isn't a, a great thing to have on a team, but it's not a it's not an entry requirement. We can be very effective without them, and then if we can layer on one of those people, I would. If I had a great uh, exploratory tester like that, I'd also make them act as a BA. I'd put them on both sides of that dev environment and make them work that way. And then now I don't know whether I call them a tester or a BA. They're, you know, they're a team member, right? And uh, they're part of the process. That makes sense. So testing is more about does the system work than does the code uh, say exactly what I think the code should say. Um, and it's really done more on the business side than on the, on the technical development side. So the, the devs are doing the automation, right? But yep. but the collaboration is what's important. And I, I've said to some of the people on the team and even to the customer that had we not done the automation, it probably wouldn't have mattered as much. If we'd have forced ourselves to collaborate in this way and just didn't bother doing the test automation, it wouldn't have been as as good, but the collaboration and the process we follow is the most important, and the, the test automation is a nice, nice uh, bonus we get out of working this way. That makes sense. Uh, do you have any other um, comments, any best practices, anything that came out of this project that you want to make sure to share? Um, I, I think the, the, the closing thought is around, you know, that's our, that was our team, and we were very effective. And how do you operate when there are teams around you that aren't necessarily operating in that, let's call it, level of maturity, right? And that's where this safe methodology comes in, and they try and divide the teams up uh, and, and, and work across them. And there's, a, there's a, an active debate, debate in the Agile community around should you divide the teams based on a, a business valuable feature or should you divide them up on sort of almost technical structures. And we divided way too much and, at this customer around technology and uh, that's a bad idea. So I would say as we try and set up our teams and split our work either on inside of our own teams or across teams, we ought to try and have a team be able to deliver an entire business feature as opposed to having them build a, you know, a function or a piece of functionality that you know, doesn't have business value all by itself because that's a, you know, that's a road to pain in my opinion. Makes perfect sense. Thanks, Mike, so much for uh, your time and talking to us about the Agile project. Sounds like you guys did some pretty amazing things. Thank you for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to Tech Talk to receive the latest episodes.